welcome to our very first edition of Swirls Got You Covered, where we talk all things swimming and autism with me, Steph. And me, Rachel. And today we are joined by Jess, occupational and aquatic therapist with Autism Swim, who is here to talk about what they do and the benefits of swimming for someone with an autism spectrum disorder. So it's great to have you with us today, especially given the time difference between here in the UK and you in Australia. Can you firstly tell us, for those who don't know about Autism Swim, your role and and what your company does? Absolutely. So I am an aquatic occupational therapist. I started my journey as a learn to swim instructor and I've been in the water for over six years now. Um, while teaching swimming, I was really lucky to be able to teach a diverse range of all abilities and I became really interested in how we could really promote lessons and um, improve outcomes for swimmers with other abilities. So that led me to my studies in occupational therapy and eventually led me to Autism Swim where um, our founder Erica Gleason has established a water safety education and empowerment program for learn to swim instructors all over the world so we provide on-the-spot training and um, ongoing resources and mentoring for learn to swim instructors who want to improve the accessibility and inclusion of their programs for swimmers with autism and other abilities we were basically founded on the premise that swimmers with autism are over 160 times more likely to drown than their typically developing peers and that's a pretty startling statistic but when you compound that with the fact that many swim schools aren't equipped to be able to provide the supports that these swimmers need we're we're stumbling on a quite a a big problem so it's quite a shocking statistic when you when you look at it and um I think I read somewhere else that it accounts for 90% of the deaths in children with autism globally who are under the age of 14. But what's it that having a diagnosis of autism puts you at a greater risk of drowning in the first place? Multiple reasons for this. And I think we can probably delve into a few of the, the top factors. The number one cause for accidental drowning in individuals with autism is wandering. Wandering is the tendency for an individual to try to leave the safety of a responsible or or their safe person, their caregiver or environment. Uh, So we, when we talk about wandering, it's typically touted as step one in the drowning process for individuals with autism. And wandering could be a result of sensory overload so they might be doing they might be wandering to escape an uncomfortable environment but at the same time it can just be as a result of individuals with autism not having the best awareness of time and space and not realizing how far they've ventured from their, their safe space or a caregiver so with wandering 
We know that roughly half of all children with ASD attempt to wander from a safe environment, and that is four times more likely than their typically developing peers. From that, 35% of those children will attempt to wander every week, or at least once. I think there were two, two cases in the Australian press only in the last fortnight, which thankfully have good outcomes. They've blown up in Australia with a, a lot of talk coming from it. So we're hoping that it, it's going to result in, in some big legislative changes around um, how we respond. But those both of those cases have come to a really, really great result and have had some wonderful advocates and um, caring people involved in the rescue missions. So it was, it was really lovely to see. Wondering is definitely our step one. But other reasons that individuals with autism are at such an increased risk of drowning include, I kind of touched on it before, but the ability to perceive risk and danger are impacted for many of our swimmers with autism and other abilities, particularly when autism is associated with intellectual disability. So that accounts for about 75% of our individuals with autism. Difficulties perceiving danger can result in, again, swimmers leaving their safe space without really noticing, but it also impacts on their ability to to look out into the water and, and see the dangers that we just expect to be able to see or that we might assume everybody knows. And those are things like being able to pick the shallow end versus the deep end of the pool, knowing that if you spend too long underwater and don't come up, that that you will drown and being able to identify the right time to come back up out of the water, um, staying within the flags when you're swimming at the beach and knowing, how again, how far away your caregiver is and um, before jumping into the water. Another and I think we'll keep it to three for today, is something that we've touched on briefly, is access to lessons. So we know that 91% of families in the Autism Swim community have pulled their child out of Learn to Swim programs. And that was due to the swim program that they were in not understanding and not accommodating their child's needs. So without appropriate access to learn to swim, uh, our swimmers with autism are less able to adapt and respond and, and deal even in minor aquatic environments or emergencies. So um, you said you just touched upon with the press um, coverage over the guys that had wandered off and thankfully had a happy ending, that that might lead to some really big changes. It seems like Australia and Autism Swim are really taking the lead already when it comes to aquatic therapy and specialised and inclusive swim programmes. How well known are you in Australia at the moment? And also, how are Autism Swim branching out to provide services globally? Yeah, great question. And something that we find really interesting, because Autism Swim was developed in Australia and we think that that's quite an intuitive thing because when we think of swimming and aquatic and water environments in general, it's it's a milestone. It's it's 
part of our every summer, a part of growing up for many Australians. So it makes sense to us that autism started in Australia. And when we started growing in Australia, it became apparent that so many people were looking for these supports and to to be able to provide uh, a, a better service to swimmers with autism and other abilities. But what we maybe didn't anticipate is how quickly autism swim has taken off worldwide. We are rapidly growing in the UK and now exist in over 14 countries over the world. So that just tells us that it's definitely not an Australia or New Zealand problem. It's it's a worldwide issue that lots of people are really dedicated to and motivated to improve on. Um, so Jess, you've, you've briefly touched on some of the points, but what do you think the importance of specialist and inclusive swimming programs? So I think that the importance of specialist and inclusive programs are the fact that families have peace of mind. They know that when they're going to see, when they're enrolling their child in this swimming program or this aquatic program, that their needs are going to be tailored to, that the people providing the services have a really thorough and firm understanding of what it takes to teach someone or, or teach the autistic brain. For swimmers with autism, we, we know that they process information differently. We know that in order to build independence in a swimming lesson that we need to be able to offer communication aids through visual schedules, visual schedules and other visual supports like visual pool rules that set really clear expectations. We know that each individual comes into each lesson with their own goals and those goals might not be to be able to learn to swim freestyle for 50 metres. In fact, we have many swimmers who come into our programs and their goal is around social participation and building communication skills and self-regulation and being able to attend to a task for a set amount of times. Um, we have lots of swimmers whose goals are around water safety and being able to identify different risks in a swimming environment or to be able to identify when to come up out of the water is a really big one. Yeah, a lot of children um, with autism, certainly from my teaching experience in the pool, absolutely love to submerge themselves under the water. It, it seems to be really, really calming for them. And it's important for, for me, from my teaching point of view, to allow them to have that time give them a set time and then it allows them to focus on the next task in hand but that recognition of how long they can safely stay under is a really really important aspect sort of briefly said then about how wonderful it is for them to be underwater that sensation what do you think are the sensory benefits of water and how does that impact on their ability to learn absolutely so um like you said lots and lots of our swimmers they really enjoy being submerged under the water and it it makes a lot of sense when we think about sensory rich environments that our individuals with autism and other abilities are constantly living in um there's there's many videos that kind of capture what life is like for somebody with sensory processing difficulties and it 
it really helps you to, to realise how much work our brain does to filter out unnecessary sounds, unnecessary lights, unnecessary feelings, even um, the sensations that we might get from the clothes that we're wearing. When a swimmer is in the water and is then able to submerge, the water takes out so much of that unfiltered auditory information and and visual information and at the same time it provides extra pressure towards the joints while we move around so we're getting a, a better understanding of our body movements and where we are in space at the same time as reducing the the sensory input that we can often find overwhelming so the benefits of being in the water are are huge for our swimmers, not only in in the way that they can be really alleviating and self-regulating, but also in in the way that they can develop a better awareness of of what is in space, which promotes gross motor skills as well. Yeah, you said that one of the goals for some of the swimmers is social interaction. So I was wondering how, um, what sort of positive changes that you've seen from taking a swimmer in the aquatic environment and letting them practice that out when they've got all of that great um, comfort I guess from from the water. Definitely so what we often see in our aquatic programs is we'll typically start a swimmer in a one-on-one session so this allows for us to develop their specific strategies that are going to work for them. The instructor gets to know the swimmer. They get to know what's expected within a swimming lesson. Um, We get to learn about what strategies are going to help the swimmer to regulate. So sometimes it looks quite different. Sometimes it might be a case of of really heavy work and um, really using their body lots and big movements and swimming underneath the water. Other times it might be really slow things like being able to float on top of the water. But what we see when we we have a plan for swimmers to move from those individual sessions into group lessons is we we get the opportunity to see swimmers who might typically have big reactions to another swimmer being close by um, or or to another swimmer using a tool that that they wanted to use and and we see that through different regulatory processes of the water and also other strategies that we incorporate into classes that um, swimmers are able to to sit on a, a step together and they're able to start to learn to take turns with others in their class and it's it's really great to be able to use all of the the properties of water and um, learn to swim principles in the same place I think that's um especially with my son that's been quite a big thing is just seeing him sit and take a turn because for me like just sitting and waiting is is huge um and I know you know most children at the age of five will sit and wait but for for eight he he really struggles with that so seeing that on the side of the pool it is really uh, it's a really positive thing for me and um you know quite a big achievement for us a lot of parents including myself can worry about introducing their child to a new environment, um, particularly with it being in the water and having that reliance on another person to keep their child safe and, and manage their needs. What what would you say that parents that are feeling apprehensive about introducing 
their child to aquatics? I think that my my number one message to parents is first of all we exist to offer that reinsurance. We we want to partner with every parent who who feels that way and to be able to work with them to either find an appropriately trained swimming school or to help them to upskill the providers in their area. But on top of that, I think that what we often see is that parents feel so much pressure to get to that end point where, like like you were saying, that their child can sit and wait in, in the pool, in the lesson and be a part of a group. I think that with with the right support structures, we can take a step right back for each of our families and mm. and see that progress can be pointing out the swim school as we drive past. It can be lining up and saying hi to the reception people. It can be sitting on the deck playing with a bucket of water. There, by having the right support structures and, and the right swimming centre who set individual goals for for your child. I think that parents will be able to experience a lot of success measured according to where their child's at and, and making sure that we meet them there. Yeah, most definitely. So how can parents then find specialist help? What sort of questions should they be asking when they're trying to find inclusive swimming programs? Fantastic question. So I think I would be crazy if my number one wasn't, are they autism swim approved? Because yeah, once we know the swim school has that training, we know that um, they have quite thorough understanding and knowledge of how we can best promote learning and comfort and safety and a positive aquatic experience for swimmers with autism. But some other things that are, are really important to us are what is your swim school's child protection policies? Um, do is it is it transparent? Do we know that everyone has working with children checks? What does their social media look like and how do they govern photography? Um, visitors on premises and drop-off and collection protocols. Another one is enrolment forms. Are they taking your child's specific needs into consideration? Do the enrolment forms talk about sensory uh, preferences? Do they talk about likes and dislikes and, and individual goals? Accessibility. Does the swim school offer sensory friendly times or do they have a quiet space available? Sensory friendly times are times within a swim school schedule where they they might dim down the lights and remove any additional sounds in the area. So that might be reducing um, lifeguard whistles or taking out hair, um, hand dryer for the duration of the sensory friendly time. Quiet times are a space either a quiet space within their pool or a quiet space outside of their pool that swimmers can go when they're feeling dysregulated and need a chance to be able to bring themselves back down. Other things are to related to accessibility include things like, is there adequate parking? If you're going to have to drive around and around to be able to find a park and your child's already set up feeling a little bit upregulated, Things haven't gone exactly to plan. 
So being able to, to set up positively is going to make for a, a better learn to swim experience. And do they have other other equipment and things that, that are relevant to your child's needs? Communication. So is, is this swim school one that has you completely separated from the instructor or are they ones that have communication books or have frequent opportunities for communication between you and the instructor? Because we definitely realise that parents are the experts in their child. So if there's not any open opportunities for discussion, then the instructor's not going to be able to learn how better to support the child or the swimmer. Similarly, parents aren't going to get a chance to learn about where their child's at, what they can be expecting and things that they can do at home to promote their safety. It definitely plays a big role, doesn't it? That communication and that trust with parents, you know, that as a parent you deal with your child every day and I'm I'm all for, you know, the gut feeling. I've had it several times. So it, it is really allowing, like as a parent, allowing yourself to open up and you know, fully disclose everything to your to the swim teacher because if you don't, and I know Steph said it a couple of times, you know, if you don't have that trust with your swim teacher and say, well, you know, they're not having a good day or this makes them tick or my son is pirate obsessed, and and you know, through that communication with Steph because she teaches my son to swim, um, we you know we have been able to develop little pirate tokens that you know he has these little pirate things and first you do this and and then then you can get a token and and that works really well for us um and we see massive changes week to week with his development because because he's got something to focus on so it is not about holding things back and being embarrassed as a parent it's you know opening up to swim teachers to to tell them everything um, when you're filling out the forms, you know, all of it, not kind of not having anything left behind, really. So both Steph and I know, Jess, that you guys at Autism Swim work really hard to get all your approved centres safe and, you know, you do a lot of campaigning. Um, what do you think other businesses and society can start to do to create positive spaces for persons with autism and their families? Thank you. It's it's a really great question and, and a big issue that I think um, we've we've kind of touched on throughout. But I think my my top ones are offering those sensory safe and sensory friendly spaces. Uh, we're we're starting to see them in airports, and we definitely promote them in our swim schools. We see them often um, popping up in school settings now and. I even know our local um, supermarkets are starting to offer sensory-friendly times where they have set times that people who might be overwhelmed by the normal fluorescent lighting and checkout noises can go and feel safe and know that they're not going to have a, a, a negative or rushed supermarket shopping experience. Erica is currently working with our emergency departments and um, namely the police services to improve the way we respond to those who are wandering in in the community especially those in our community who are, who are well known to police services I actually was at a barbecue last weekend and speaking to a dad of a child with autism who wanders quite often he's definitely in that 35 percent who 
try to wonder, I, I will say weekly, but I'm closer to daily. Goodness. And this dad said every time he presents to the police office, to the police station, he has to provide them with another photo. And they, they have to start the process all over again. So I just think that if if we have processes where all of this is consistent, families can feel acknowledged and recognised and supported, then as a society we're, we're moving in a long way. But um, community change as a whole, I think, education and empowering everybody, providing training and education across the board so that nobody feels like inclusion and accessibility is someone else's responsibility because it's all of ours. Yeah, that must be so incredibly frustrating as a parent having to present that information that you've maybe given them the day before when all you care about is having your child back safely as quickly as possible. If if that's something that everybody could change on, on the back of you know, you bringing that up in this discussion, then that would be wonderful. So we've talked a lot about um, the aquatic side of things, but something that you guys are doing at the moment is you're offering online therapy sessions. How do those work and how do parents sign up for them? Absolutely. So in the space of the the current worldwide restrictions associated with COVID-19, we kind of spurred into a realisation that we, as a worldwide organisation can actually be providing therapy services via telepractice on a worldwide scale. So we are very proud of the training that we provide to other therapists and learn to swim instructors and other aquatic providers. But obviously we are very active ourselves working in the space and staying current in our knowledge. So we thought, why not post this on our website, post this on Facebook and, and see if we can tackle some of the huge wait lists that we know are out there or the, the different availability of funding across the world. So we have Erica Gleason, who is our senior behaviour specialist and also the founder of Autism Swim. She's providing positive behaviour supports. We have Sam, who's another of our aquatic occupational therapists, and she is working with families providing input into sensory diets and how to manage those in the home environment, really working with what you've got at home. And I am working on living skills for developing independence and um, wandering prevention plans as well which is obviously a big passion of ours so if anybody does want to get involved or get in contact they can sign up by going to the autismswim.com.au website and register under parents on on our website there's a, a number of questions that will kind of lead you down a, a path to tailor who you can get into contact with for example I need to engage with a clinician versus I need to um, I've just received a diagnosis and I don't know where to start so that's under customers and parents and you can sign off and get in contact with us from there. Perfect and what would you say to parents that are a bit apprehensive to taking something online as a therapy that they're used to having face-to-face? Absolutely I completely understand a lot of 
families have felt that telepractice is, is kind of a step down to face-to-face therapy services. But what we've actually found, and to be honest, I'm quite new to the teletherapy space. I was very much an advocate for that face-to-face um, visits. But what we're seeing is the, the model that we take through telepractice is more of a coaching model. So what happens is the parents of the child are be- becoming the expert even more so. So we're building on skills that they have within their natural environment. So literally in Sam's sessions, you kind of go on a, a tour of the house and she finds different resources that you can use to develop your own sensory circuits. And similarly with Erica and my sessions, where we're building on the resources that you already have at home. You're not having to leave the house and you're developing more confidence in and building on the skills that you already have at home. So I have a number of families who I used to see weekly who have now asked if they can continue teletherapy. Always just give it a try. And and especially if many families are already on wait lists, it definitely can't hurt. I think one of the um, great things as well that you've sort of mentioned there was using stuff that's already in the home, which means that parents aren't having to source extra equipment because it can already be an expensive thing getting your child the right support and everything that they need. And not not every family has the funds available to do that all the time. Well, it's been great talking to you today, Jess. Um, We're absolutely on board and completely passionate about what autism does. And um, we just would like to thank you so much for your time today. It's been really, really interesting. And hopefully we've got a lot of information across that both parents and potential swimmers can go back to and um, find out more. Thank you both so much for having me. It's been really lovely talking with you.